Hello and welcome back to Tough Rugby Podcast. I'm pleased to announce we've got the two usuals in the studio, Army and Zach. Boys, how are you? Um, did you enjoy the weekend of sport? It was a very good weekend for sport. Merseyside Derby, Champions Cup final. I'm liking it. I'm loving sport at the minute. But obviously, as Liverpool fans, Merseyside Derby didn't go as planned. I watched it with Harvey, so I seen the um, aggression from inside, Zach. I'm wondering what emotion came over you. Anger? Sad? Um, Just everything, isn't it? Kind of, you go through the five stages of grief. <laughs> Virgil walked off the pitch. Is kind of the best way to describe it. Jordan Prick, Pick, Prickford, sorry, Pickford, Prickford, Prickford. Um, nice warm. Like I don't, you know what? I expect it from him because he's an absolute lunatic. He's just, um, he's an idiot. Um, I'll say no more about that. VAR, like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I quite like your boy Oliver as a ref, but he had an absolute shocker. Like the challenge in Tiago at the end from a Charleston, like it was after the whistle, yet he gave a red card for it. It's just ridiculous. Like it is, I kind of lost my my faith in officials. That's my rant done. We had a good conversation about it, and we were saying about how they need to be like rugby. Anything clear and obvious? No, it's not clear and obvious. Like when you can't see the ball being grounded when it's held up, you can't give it, even though it might be a try. Yeah. You can't give it. So if it's clear and obviously offside, you give it offside. Or in this case, not offside, onside. Ugh. It ruins celebration, doesn't it? It, ruins it does. Moments. I went mental. I was like, oh, just beating Everton in the last minute. You know, Hendo getting the winner. Oh, just, ah, oh, uh, It was a romantic uh, ending, wasn't it? It was the nice poetic ending was, we all wanted. But It was. Oh, it was. Yeah, I but think. Exeter, Exeter made up for it. Like Exeter were decent. Oh, one of the best games of rugby I've watched in the years. That's what we got to lead on to. So obviously we had it, the annoyance of that, and then we went into the final. Um, I don't know. Zach obviously is a more or less an extra fan, and me and Harvey more neutrals. I am lying if I'm not leaning towards Racing during the final, but I think that's because they're playing catch up. The whole final is the reason that. I want them to always get back into it. So we'll start from the start of the final anyway and have we chat about it. Um, obviously, Exeter raced in front, 14-0. Looked like it was going to be a walk in the park. And credit where credit's due, Zach. Uh, Racing really showed that yeah. they deserved to be there and properly came back into it. Some great mm-hmm. tries. And Simon Zebo shout out on the pod. We had a discussion last week about Irish 15s. Obviously, it's going to be Jacob Stockton this weekend, but is he the best 15 in Ireland right now? I know he doesn't live in Ireland, Ooh. but he's Irish. I'd say he's one of the best 12s in Ireland right now, except he doesn't, he's not in Ireland. Ian Whitten, anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, right? Everyone, Everyone's kind of like, everyone's loving Simon Zebu, you know, great player, all this and all that. I'm kind of like, I don't care. Like, it's not you, you. You didn't do a Gareth Stinson or Ian Witten where you walked out on your club and country at the age, like an, an early age because you needed game time and you wanted to improve your rugby. He went to France for the money. He doesn't deserve to wear the Ireland shirt unless he comes back, admits his wrongs, and comes back. I think after losing the final again, I think he has to come back if he wants to be Ireland's fifteen. Which, to be honest, he he walk straight in. Yeah, <laughs> but there's clearly like there's clearly no. 
well, we get onto this later, obviously, but because Stockdale is obviously starting 15, Andy Farrell clearly wants to develop and trust him. There's no sign of Simon coming back. Kind of relates to um, kind of relates to what we said last week about Racing just being a bit of a plastic club. And plastic. I guess I guess that yeah. kind of that opinion gets transferred onto everyone that represents that jersey as well, in a way. A bit. Yeah. So wait, why think... would you not want to represent the green jersey? Why would you not? I don't understand. Like, like it's not it's, like he was early. He, like, he, he had a fall out of Joe Schmidt, and then he kind of was like, he said he wasn't enjoying international rugby. He came to camp. It was very structured and wasn't for him. You can see why him and Russell get on well. They both just love playing ruggers. They don't like weights well, and playing ruggers and making um, So I think it was more of a culture thing in camp that he didn't enjoy. So obviously it's a new camp now, so there's no reason why. But you like, have a future, do you reckon? Do you see him back at Ireland? Not until he comes back. Andy Farrell's no. going to stick. He's obviously Andy Farrell's kind of with Joe Schmidt, so he's going to keep a lot of the same cultures there. And one of the biggest cultures is you know, foreign players. But like the international rugby is the pinnacle of rugby union. It always has been. It always will be. It's not like football in that regard, where you know Mourinho's asking Gareth Southgate not to play Harry Kane because he needs to rest him for the game at the weekend. You know, international rugby is the pinnacle, and I just feel like if you turn your back, like the way he did, I don't know. But in saying that, you know, he played well. Finn Russell, apart from you know, kind of making the errors that. Basically, cause wrestling the game, but like for me, that, right? That pass, all... that pass for the first try, could many ever tens the... throw? Could many ever tens throw that pass under that the, pressure? Like a hundred percent. Um, but my 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 thing is like, we'll go on. Like, you want to bring it back to the Lions chat? You know, like Finn Russell in that moment, moment of brilliance, the pass that he pulls off to put Zebu in the corner, fantastic. You know, not many tens in the world can do that. You see it again. You saw it with when he when Scotland beat England that time, the kind of miracle pass. But the problem is, is that he's he plays those no matter what. What it's it's fireworks no matter what, and that's what you and and it costs you. You know, I was going to say, um, do we do we look at that pass, that skip pass that Noel obviously intercepted and led to the try? Do you look at that and think, oh, that's brilliant? If he gets it, there's an overlap, and you never know what comes from that, do you? Um, you can't look at it. you can't look at it results driven, can you? Because if you look at it as oh that pass led to this, you've got to look at every single pass. You've got to be consistent about it. And if, like you said, if there's an intercept, if it causes them some issues, sometimes you can't. There was no doubt that the reason Racing scored their tries came through Russell. Very smart kick in the second half, little chip for Vakatawa. Same again. It's like you said, uh, extra beyond that, and they literally ran the same move yeah. and same result. I know there's no, that there's no sweeper. Didn't result That's in a try, but his, his ability to look up and just play heads-up rugby is... He's probably the best in the world at just playing heads-up rugby, but he needs to play in a team that just are heads-up rugby. But, but like, but the, but the intercept, he just didn't look. But like, he'll always he play didn't... it. He's not going to go against himself. He'll just but keep like, playing. Do you, do, you want, do you want that when you're like, when you're 10-9 down against South Africa next next summer? Do you want that? Like, I don't want that in a 10. One like, of the... What... One of the key skills I think is for any player, any quality is you shouldn't just have plan A. He looks like he's just got plan A. That's and if you thing. actually told, if you told him to yes. knuckle down and pull out plan B, where is it? Where, like, but, but this is the point. The intercept that Noel intercept was never on. He didn't look like he yeah. literally didn't look like Austin Healy made an absolute meal out of it. Obviously he was, you know, English man and Scottish, Scottish player, but like he just never looks like by the time he looks and realizes crap, you know, 
probably like craps a brick because he's like, this isn't on. Like it, the ball's already left his hands and Jack Noel catches it. Um, yeah. But Racing could have still won that game regardless of Russell mistakes. Plus Russell, Russell brilliant. So you can't blame it all on Finn Russell because no, he, no, sorry, yeah, yeah. Like he, I'm not, he took I'm not them to the brink. They just needed that. And to be fair, they had an overlap and they could have walked it in. And another big moment was Curtly Beale getting caught up on a big overlap. Yeah. I know it was hard for the ball to get away, but that begs the question: Why bring on Curtly Beale with fifteen or ten minutes to go? Tell Zebo was not happy as well. He was yeah, absolutely was well, livid. Zebo was the game on. Of his life. He was on for the match in the European Cup final. That, he, and they just take him. Off. Like yeah, that that. I think like Racing should have won the game, but it was just the in the heat of the moment, their decision making was just per per. Which is like we go back to the discussion last week, and it's all about like you know surely experience in kind of European finals should play a massive role kind of like in the heat of the moment the experience of making the big decision clearly it didn't like Zebo should never have left that pitch Finn Russell should never have thrown that pass Finn Russell should have gone for the droppy um, so many so, so many things so many things but then again Mashino could have went for the penalty rather than put it in the corner Mashino took, could have took him took it on himself as an experienced French yeah. nine very good goal kicker could have just nailed the touchline penalty but they went safer, went into the corner, yellow card, try and turn the screw, and they would have scored. It yeah. was only a matter of time until one of the biggest plays. Oh, huge. And that will be shown for years to come on European classics that Hidalgo Klein steal. And like they were knocking on the door, that was coming, and that was then the European Cup if they went over. Like I really, like I really thought, like I really thought that Rassling were going to take it. Um, um, I just out of nowhere. How much of the game do you? We don't want to obviously blame culture, everyone. But how much of the game do you put down to Ihi uh, Barin or however you want to pronounce his name? How much do you put down? How much do you put down the result to his performance? Probably the worst individual performance <laughs> in a European Cup final. See, I was trying to be, I was trying to be PC about it and be a bit, you know, it was democratic about the whole thing. Awful. But yeah, you can't it really was... argue it, can you? He came out and she said after him. the game that he was injured before the final and shouldn't have started. <laughs> Give me all that crap. But the game that changed when Mashino came on. Don't you take yourself did. out of the game if it's going to be that bad. But like he was going to get subbed within like what twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, they were, he <laughs> was warming up. Mashino was warming up, and then he goes and does he goes and does um goes and does a kick with his weak foot. And what's going on? Yeah, like for me, like it all just started off. Like I think I think we need to get on extra in a minute because like. Exeter, I think, fully deserved to win, and they won the game. It's not Rossing lost the game, but like the for me, it's the kick to the corner in the first like couple of minutes. You know, yeah. re- kick off penalty. Right here's a chance to pump the ball in the corner, drive in mall early try. Let's go, let's get the momentum. It's what we talked about last week. You know, getting that early momentum, and just shanked the kick. Like it was, it was shocking, and then that just led to two quick scores from Exeter. Um, no, it was. It was. It was woeful. It was, a, it was I, woeful. Do you think the game showed that you had two teams that never played in the European Cup final before? Was that why it was such a manic game? You score, I score. You score, I score. Are we taking I mean, penalties today? No, we're just scoring tries. Well, I mean, like the Exeter way is very much we back ourselves and you know we'll kick to the corner and go for the try. 
Um, and it worked. You know what I mean? Like some big plays, like the try straight before half time. Like that was for me. That was probably one of the biggest moments of the game, apart from the turnover at the end. Um, to go in with that extra trap, that extra seven points was huge. Like not gonna lie, Exeter in the first ten minutes scared me. Like, like the the ferociousness, oh. the like just to go for it. Like whoa, like I was I was scared. I was excited, but I was scared. You know, it was class. It was on an end. In terms like, of, I was like, oh. In terms of individual performance, then obviously said Simon Zebu nearly was the nearly man. The man that was the man was Joe Simmons. You kicked one hundred percent off the tee. I think he was ninety four percent going into the final. He can kick, and also he's very he's a good ball player. He, for me, he's in the mold of a George Ford. He literally is an yeah. identical version of him, but can kick better. So, yeah. like like that. Like the kick at the end to go for the penalty, like, and he absolutely slotted it, like from like from the ten meter line. I was, oh, was I know Harvey probably from an English perspective. I know I'm wondering who you want to see with these coming upcoming the final Six Nations game, then the Autumn Nations games. Do you want to see Joe Simmons involved in some capacity? Because I know obviously Farrell is short of it, short of a bit of game time with obviously being out for the last five weeks. So. Is it Joe Simmons' yeah. time, or do you stick with Ford again? But <laughs> I do want to. I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence in a, a little bit because it's like what I said last week in the sense that Eddie Jones has his system, and half of me just doesn't want to question the Eddie Jones way because you know it's Eddie Jones. But the other half of me is thinking, look how blisteringly you can think of all the adjectives in the world to describe a season. This season. Like, he has to play. He has to have an involvement. And, like, in, in the long term as well, you look at, what, 23, whatever he is? You look at the long term as well. You can create a system. You could create a system around him. I'm talking about systems and how Ford and Farrell fit together as 10 and 12. You can create a system. It might take a couple of years, but, you know, we're at the back end. We're at the front end of a cycle. Why not try and create the system now with Simmons in there as 10 and see what we can get out of it? I don't know. I, I, I'll leave the expert tactics to, to Eddie, but... I think he's got to be involved, hundred percent. Yeah, like he is in the mold of George Ford, and he's he's an upgrade. I think at the moment, the way he's playing, like he was man of the match. He was man of the match at European Cup final. Like, I, like I, for me, that says it all. Like four kicks from or whatever it was, like hundred percent kicking record. You know, yeah. and that's if if Racing got all their kicks, they would have won the game. So in theory, you know, Joe Simmons won the game for Exeter. That's why he got man of the match. And then um, yeah. you can't you can't forget. Um, that was announced European Player of the Year, Sam, Sam Simmons. Big Sammy. So he's, he's the best. Also the, uh, he's also the youngest captain, was he not, to win the Champions Champions Cup? Yeah, yeah Joe, Joe Simmons. Uh, yeah. Incredible achievement. But like not Joe Simmons, yeah. So many achievements. Like Sam Both Simmons. of them. Both of them have to be involved. But, yeah. but, but then Don Brand. Involved, do they have to be involved this time around? I just don't think it's appropriate for them to play the biggest game of their lives last weekend go into another Premiership final and play against a very, very good Wasps team. I just don't... I just don't know if they should then go out the following week and play a game against... I think they should be looking to involve them when it comes around to the next Six Nations. I think this year we just... it's got to be long-term. This year we keep the same system for now and then... And like like I said before, age is on their side. Like, they're not... We're not trying to hurry them in. Um... But yeah. they have to be a part of the long-term plans. Like, 100%. just too good, especially like, oh, like here's here's a question for you: Joe Simmons on the tour? 
a we genuine. did say we did say when we did the when we did yeah. the creations there's going to be someone who we've like a wild card there's going to be a wild card and he might just be first one on the team sheet by the time we get around to next summer honestly like if gats is going to go for the kind of similar style to england which is file at 12 which i think yeah. i had in my team like at the moment i'm sticking joe simmons in there like goodbye george ford like you can go work on your relegation battle with Leicester. Like that's a weird thing, but we just oh, did that the. Could be depressing for him. We, it? we did it after the World Cup, and George Ford was outstanding in the World Cup. So it's all. It was. It was. It's all he's about, still a good player. Like it's. Yeah. It's a nice problem to have. You're an England fan. Like I'm yeah. sure you're loving it, Harvey. Anyway, just wrapping up the um, Champions Cup final. There, I know we were trying to talk about the negatives and where's the drop kick and stuff, but I think the modern day culture of a drop kick is. I've seen a lot of stats on it. It is decreasing dramatically because of the fact. If you go for a try, number one, takes less pressure off because you're going for a try. And teams are told to go for a drop kick, you have to go for a try because then lines aren't set. But the problem of going for the try is then they eventually get turned over. Same with the New Zealand, the Australia-New Zealand first game that Australia were actually setting for the drop goal. And the reason it didn't come was because one of the forwards actually threw, like he turned around and threw a pivot pass, which was not the call. James O'Connor had to go in, which he didn't mean to go in. Then they went two more phases to get ready again, and then it was a turnover. So it looks like it's completely bottled, but the reality is it is getting set up. And I do think Racing were starting to set it up, and then they just, just not ran out of patience, but just wasn't on. And when when you get within five meters, why go for the drop kick? Because the risk of go- heading back and getting a drop kick is higher than going for a try when you're five meters out. Because Exeter, as you can see, with all their tries, basically all their tries were the same in the final, was zero risk rugby, five meters out, pick go, pick go, and you will score. And on paper, you should score if you pick and go from five out. So I feel just to squash that, it's a bit unfair to say about not going for the drop kick because they could have easily scored the try at the end if it wasn't for a miracle steal. And in terms of Exeter... They played the exit away, which is just forwards, penalty, yeah. corner, pick, pick, pick. And the latch, question, latch, latch, pick, pick, pick. And the question they is, des- yeah, Zach, they deserved it. do you think this weekend they're going to go in in the Premiership final with the same tactics, going to play the same way, get down there, do what Exeter do, or do they bring something up the sleeve this weekend? I think you just you start the game as you picked up from last week just the same i think he's, if you're rob baxter also shout out to rob baxter you know credit where credit's due like he's taking a team that was in the championship in 2010 to european final our winners in 10 years not bad um what a romance story hey what a club anyway um <laughs> now you just start as you mean to continue you know just start with the exit away get a wee penalty in the first couple of minutes pump it in the corner see what happens um and if it's you know 60 minutes gone and you still have you know you're trailing by 10 points then yeah you probably need to involve maybe like a jack Noel off the wing or something like that but like i can just stick to do you think do you think any rotation comes in i know Ian Witten played very well in the final do you think they can start to bring in like an ollie devoto or bring in a bedwood not a bedwood burn uh... <laughs> bring an ollie woodburn on the wing you know start Routine a bit and just because because like there's nothing between Davuto and Witten really apart from styles like they're both similar players and obviously yeah. winger wise it's not too much so they can do you think they'll rotate a bit for Wasps I know Wasp will go in full steam ahead same team as the semi COVID 
related if none of them were positive, which I don't think they were because they sorted that all out. Yeah, like um, I think you just go with the team that started. Um, I think you just go with the team that started. I think it's too much disruption in what the biggest thing Exeter need when you have to turn around inside a week is disruption in your planning, disruption in your training. Kind of having to give Ollie Devoto more of a run out at twelve and stuff like that. I think you just stick to stick to the same team. Simple as that. And in terms of wasps, um, obviously preparation extremely affected with all the COVID yeah. stuff, and it looked like the game might have been called off. Obviously, it's great for the Premiership, great for rugby that the game's going ahead. But I'd say they've had about half a week's worth of preparation when they would have had an opportunity to have had a week's more preparation than Exeter. It looks like they've had less preparation, if not the same. Um, but then again, they're all going to be rested and they all know what they're doing at this stage of the season. So do you think it'll affect them too much? Or I think I think it will. You know, like you look at Racing, like there's an element to say, like at the end of the day, like European, the final was so close. What could have done it was the fact that Exeter didn't have a bunch of players testing, testing positive. Like Racing had to go away to kind of into a biosecure bubble in order to train and get the players that were positive back to negative and stuff like that. Like I just think there's a lot of disruption. The fact that yesterday, you know, Jimmy Gobberth was sitting at home with a cup of tea thinking I don't even be playing this weekend while Sheedy is sitting there in Bristol, you know, going through his drills, getting ready to go. Um, crazy times. Like, I think it has to affect you. Like, it has to. Like, to then, like, turn around and give yourself, what, three days to switch on. I think it'll be. It'll uh, I think this weekend is going to be a harder test for Exeter, to be honest. I think Wasps in a Premiership final with everything to play for. No, obviously, Racing have everything to play for as well, but there's that whole French culture and kind of flary players, whereas Wasps are, I feel like Wasps are more of a machine at the minute and probably in form, like per win, win per game or probably the most informed side in Europe. Arino, mm. you're a big fan of Wasps and you've watched them for weeks now. Do you think we could see an upset? And do you even call it an upset with the form they're in? Because surely going into a final, like six or seven wins in a row, you can't go in as an underdog or uh, not expected to win it. I think uh, if you looked back at before Project Restart, you'd have gone, no chance, no chance. But I think we're in a position now, I know Zach obviously mentioned the disruptions and whatever's going on with these COVID cases, but there's there's so, I don't know, they're just so well drilled and they're so in motion at the moment, getting to the end of the season. I feel like if you're at the start of the season, yeah, it probably has a little bit more of an impact because it's kind of like getting the boys back into it. But I feel like they've been, they've, and they've been absolutely on fire in the Premiership. So as much as I think that extra side that played on the weekend were incredible and have really got some superstars in that setup. It's. I think it's going to be a really, really good game. I think these, these, um, these cases have kind of put a bit of a roast, you know, the opposite to a rose tinted glass over the uh, wasps' prospects in a way. And I think a lot of people have started to even disregard them before they've even stepped on the pitch. Um, and I don't think we should. I think honestly, this this wasps team are going to be a different beast what they faced against Racing. It feels like we're more culture men. Wasps winning the Premiership feels right. It feels like 
it's meant to happen. Like they're meant to get back to the top. They are a powerhouse. They've won European mm. Cups, Wasps with Delalio and all like back in the it, day. They've done the double. They have done the double. Yeah, they've done they've done it. It's hard to do the double. But would you say emotionally, um, Exeter coming like obviously being on Cloud Nine win the European Cup, that last five minutes being on their line, all that emotion, can they then obviously we know there's no doubt Exeter had a few drinks. Rob Baxter said we'll take forty eight hours, we'll take seventy two hours, and then we'll reevaluate and go for the weekend. We've done all our prep for both weeks before this. Like revising for exams, we've done a bit of revision yeah. early on, they got the money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> they've had a few drinks they've celebrated and rightly so you should celebrate because you can't celebrate both after it doesn't work like that do you think any of that emotional attachment they had for the final and obviously they've won the premiership before they haven't won Europe before if they could pick something it'd be Europe do you think that will play a role or a factor I think it will play a factor I think it plays a positive factor um like there's the sh- there's the there's one side of it which is just by sheer just wear and tear, like you're gonna be tired after playing the game of your life and then having to turn it on again next week. Like it'll be a massive, it's a massive test for Exeter, massive test for Wasps too to kind of gauge where they're at at the moment. I think you're bang on, Harvey. Like just the way they are, just the role that they're on. But this is a this is a next step. You know they're finally playing an Exeter team, full strength Exeter team. You know, but I think like you're riding high after winning your first European Cup for the club. Um, you know, you'll be buzzing. There'll be a good vibe in training this week, no doubt. You know, Joe Simmons is just slotting kicks from anywhere on the pitch. Um, you know, Joe and Sam had a great, you know, dinner with their family or something. I don't know. Like, I you're riding high. Like, I have no doubt. You know, look how and Dickie's around the Jack Knowles house. Sport doesn't do fairy tales, though. It's not. It's not. It doesn't do what's. But, I know Saracens won the double, but. It's not meant to. What seems to happen in terms of the fairy tale and what everyone wants to happen? Exeter win the double ten years ago in the championship. Sometimes teams just come and ruin the party. I was going to say, is that the dream, though, in a way? Or do you not want to see Wasps return to the top? Like, what is the romantic? I know, I know. Obviously, the the ten year journey, but I don't know. What do you? Which one? Which one ranks higher? I don't know. I don't know in the Wasps team. It's like Exeter have kind of, you know, they've they've hit their they've won the Premiership before, obviously, and they've now hit the highest gratification of winning the Champions Cup. Do they not? Is there not going to be? A, I know they're professional athletes, but is there not going to be some sort of just bit of an adrenaline dump at the start of this week? Are they gonna are they gonna have the motivation they probably had and that explosive fourteen nil start, for example, in this game? Are they gonna have that? I think Exeter is a special club, as like. They you are. know, and I, I think Amen. you've seen Saracens do it. Saracens won the European Cup against Leinster in, in my opinion, a completely different European final last year. That was two experienced teams. Not many mistakes made, I think. Leinster yeah. might have made one error where they didn't kick it out at halftime and Exeter, or Saracens scored right at the end of the half. And literally that one mistake cost them the, cost them the European Cup, whereas you had another final this year which was full of mistakes and full of everything and not much European experience there so I feel Exeter just have a philosophy where we just do what we do we don't think about anything else and we'll just continue this train and they've only won one premiership in 2017 against Wasps so the fact it's Exeter Wasps again and last time it was probably arguably the best premiership final ever where it went to extra time and um 
wasn't for Nathan Hughes giving away a stupid penalty and Gareth Steenson kicking a last-minute penalty to bring it to extra time, Wolves would have won the Premiership. So these two sides know each other well. I think we're in for a great encounter. Definitely, yeah. Like I, I feel like because Exeter, it is it is very much a tight knit squad. Like Wasps definitely are too. Like you get a lot of the interviews kind of coming out this week with Willis and stuff like that. But you know, ah, Jack Willis. Jack Willis, like we need to get on to him. But like I just think with Exeter, they're a tight knit squad. They've probably got their expectations out on paper. If there's boys struggling this week with an adrenaline kind of lack after kind of dumping it all, like I feel like they'll be kind of kind of dragged along by the collar and stuff. I'm like I'm looking forward to it, honestly. Not as much as last week, if I'm being honest. But I'm still looking forward to it nonetheless. Especially it's straight after the Iron Italy game, so you know. What 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 it's makes perfect. it so fast? It's 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 just it's it is it is predictions like, predictions yeah. predictions boys well we better move on and get on to we'll some national rugby know. so <sighs> predictions can i say one last thing it's just it's i'm just gonna say it i'm just i'm loving Go on. English rip the bandage it, say it but it's funny how i would say at the moment Tegra saracen is like the two best teams in england they're playing on saturday and arguably the best players in england a lot of them are playing on saturday and not playing for england on sunday Mm. Very interesting. Anyway, mm. um, predictions: Exeter thirty twenty-two or something. I think it'd be high enough. But um, I'm banking on Exeter four tries, a bonus point win. Did it against Racing? They'll do it again. All right. I'm going to Wasps win. Um, I just have that feeling. I just have a feeling they're out there to ruin a party. Um, and I think they're going to win 27-21. Ooh. Um, no, 27-24. I think Simmons is going to get one, one penalty. I think I'm going to agree with Harvey and say the party's ruined. Oh, boys, come on. Minotzi, individual magic. <laughs> Remember <laughs> that line. Anyway, <laughs> boys, it's going to be a great final. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. And... It is. So many factors playing into it. And finally, that season's getting wrapped up. Obviously, we've called this podcast the return of rugby. And next week, we're obviously going to be chatting about internationals, but we kind of have a slight crossover. We've got a first international game this weekend, which is Ireland against Italy. A lot of people just think, ah, oh, Ireland, Italy, ah, oh, well. It all starts next week. Ireland have to get a bonus point and have to bring it to the last weekend. So we have the Super Saturday where three teams go in the Six Nations next weekend and we just sit there and watch three games of rugby and have a few tens and enjoy ourselves because if they can't get the four tries and give the finale that everyone wants, we're in trouble. But Zach, two Irishmen here. It's at the Aviva. Andy Farrell's part of a strong squad, full-strength squad. Any issues? I think actually, to be honest, behind closed doors definitely benefits Ireland because... The atmosphere at the Aviva sucks anyway. So um, unless like you're beating All Blacks or something, um, for for being brutally honest, so I think that won't play too much of a factor. Like Ireland will win. It's just a question of whether or not they get the bonus point. Um, when like Ireland, Ireland seem to have this ability against Wales or against Italy where like they always win, and they usually get the bonus point but it's always ugly that's it's why not... Italy don't get enough respect they make it ugly and I'm sure I think I can see Italy just getting like a I can see Italy just getting like a freak try or something just off the front and then 
yeah. to start and then just all right boys let's let's wise up and then yeah, like Will Connors will like make drop like knock it forward you know pick it up and score I don't know I'm excited um, though about this lineup it's, I've been crying for about a year now for to Ireland for Ireland to actually just forget the past and forget your 30 pluses that are just dying out and actually set up a team for the future and apart from Johnny Sexton that team is exciting as in, like, as a non-Ireland fan, I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see that lineup. I know it's only against Italy, but like, Conway's mm. finally getting some respect. Um, Keenan's obviously in there. Kaylin Doris. It's going to be good. I'm excited to watch it. Four, four debu- yeah, four debutants. So, yeah, Porter. Rob, shout out to Rob Herring. Rob Herring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he's got this laughing thing about Rob Herring. He's an extremely good hooker. Who's it's funny because he's an Ulsterman. Because he's going to go on the Lions tour. You've heard it here first. Yeah, he actually like, is, though. That's the thing. But, he's, like, he's just he's, one of those boys that... It's quality. He just, he's, he's a James Milner. <laughs> he's a James Milner. I'm, I'm, I'm applying that label. No, no that, that, it's a, that's, a, that's a respect. Sign of respect. I'm excited to see Caleb Doris after kind of the fiasco um, of his debut. But, I'm like, I'm, I'll be honest. I don't know what it is. I just don't really care. I'm just all set and X. It's because you've been so you've been so spoiled with the Champions Cup, Premiership final, all these great games going on. Ireland just goes down the pecking order a little bit. But you but like Tel said before, this needs to happen and it needs to be a formality just so that we can have a great weekend next weekend. Yeah, exactly. Like they just need to get the bonus point. Like I'm even saying that as well. Yeah, it'd be very surprising if they keep that same team for next week. I think that's if they get the bonus point, that's the bigger question. It's do you keep um, Connors, Keenan, stuff like that in there? Is is my is my big thing. Also, Stockdale at fifteen. Um, Andy Farrell, massive sale of approval, which is which is which is a big call. Um, I big think call. the classic Jacob Stockdale debate. I'm always biased, but I I watch enough rugby, as you all know. I watch enough rugby to know when. Someone's good at rugby or not good at rugby. And Jacob Stockdale, in terms of a rugby player, I've always thought that he's a fullback. He's got a huge left shoe on him. He's very, very comfortable under the high ball. Rarely does he ever lose out. And when he does, it's a good contest. Obviously, he had you always have the odd hider, like that one against Toulouse, where he just dropped under no pressure. Like That doesn't make you a bad player. And I think in an Ulster jersey... He tries too hard because he's so much better than everyone. Showing the fact that he's the only Ulster player starting apart from Rob Herring. So when he plays for Ulster, he has this feeling of, I need, I'm basically like the captain on the pitch in terms of what I have to do. He showed it against Ospreys. Um, and I feel with Ireland, he just needs to relax and play his game and he can cement that 15 jersey because Larmers have yeah. been under constant criticism especially about the high ball. Stockdale 6-3 can put that to bed for a few early big takes and kind of make that jersey his now Rob Carney's away. That's the thing. Like We chat about it most weeks. Now the vacuum from Rob Carney. Also, his autobiography came out last week. It's really interesting. <laughs> There's a few snippets in the Sunday Times. Um, fascinating, actually. Michael Checker. Anyway, um, Michael Checker's also always fascinating. Yeah, fast, just a fascinating man. Like, um, anyway, like Stockdale has a real opportunity these next two weeks. Um, well, here's a question. Do you think 
is it necessarily Stockdale having the kind of two weeks of his life, cementing that 15 jersey for years to come, kind of putting his hand up to Andy Farrell and say, you can count on me? Or does it matter? But if what I'm trying to say is, does it matter on the team performance as well? Like Ireland have a big weekend this week, get the, get the bonus point, go into Super Saturday and who knows, maybe even win it. It's like, do you think yeah. that depends as much as Stockdale having a great individual performance? Because I feel like if he does really well two weeks in a row, great under the high ball, really smart kicking, really smart play positionally, I just feel like if Ireland have an absolute howler, it, it, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that might overshadow it. Joe, yeah. Joe Simmons could easily have been brought up in the Midlands and playing for Leicester Tigers at the minute. And he's the same. He's the same player. He's still Joe Simmons. A lot of it is luck, and if you're in a good club and in a good setup, and the fact that Stockdale starts for Ireland consistently, he must nearly be up around thirty caps by now at twenty four, which is absolutely outstanding. He, that's that's on track for century, like, and not many do get, get century. Shout out to my article <laughs> on that one, but um, <laughs> I feel. Um, it's just one of them that if he has a great game, it helps when you're playing for a good side and you, you everything is going for you, e.g. fastball, you get your one-on-ones that you can feed and beat him. And the fact that he's playing for not a below-par side, but not a Leinster or a, or a Saracens, it, it makes it harder to stand out. And that always happens. The same with football, Jack Grealish and stuff, trying to get into squads. If you're playing for the best teams, you usually will get picked internationally and you will be starting internationally. Harry Kane's a perfect example. I know Spurs maybe aren't even that good, but like, well, if you're playing for a top six club, you will start for your country, even if you're unbelievable in the mid-table. And Ulster maybe are kind of mid-table European club. I think it's one of those as well where you'd like to think you'd, we we have you'd like to believe that the people that are obviously behind Andy Farrell and Andy Farrell himself can look beyond just a result and can actually yeah. look at an individual performance. And if Stockdale provides a good performance, no matter what happens result wise, you'd like to think that since he's been in the setup for a couple of years now, and you know, and if he can provide some solid performances at fifteen, the job yeah the job will be his. The job will be his. Um, it, I think it just adds that little cherry on top and a little bit of gratitude behind his performances. If obviously the results go Ireland's way and you never know, they win the Six Nations, for example. Um, it'll definitely help. But I think, yeah, I just think, I don't know, I feel like the setup, the selection is a little bit different in Ireland. I feel like it compared to, you know, somewhere like the Premiership where there's a lot more teams because I feel like you can easily get lost because there's so many players, yeah. so many players providing talent, whereas you've only got the four provinces. And, I feel like it's a little bit easier. Yeah, you still get the odd injustice, obviously, but I feel like, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit. I do feel like it's a little bit easier to obviously pick the right man as much as you can in a subjective opinion way. Um, I feel like you, it is easier to make the right decision if you know what I mean. I feel like there's a lot more injustices when you look at the England setup and you think about all the players that are yet to be capped or didn't get the caps they deserve throughout their career. Oh, Joe yeah. Simmons. Yeah, Zach, we've talked about it before. If you start week in, week out for your province, you will get a cap at some stage. Mm. Whether that be Alliance Tour, a game against Fiji. 
<laughs> you'll get a game whereas a game in against Eng- the EG at Toman Park <laughs> that's the, exactly that <laughs> but it doesn't you, actually count did you know this if, <laughs> if, if an international is not played at the Aviva it doesn't count as an official cap there yeah. you go that was a class um, game where Paddy Jackson Gilroy and it was. all started <laughs> but uh <laughs> But that that's my exact point. Whereas you can have your Harry Malanders and boys like that who are very good player, very good Premiership players who are very far away from an England call up. But that's just talent depth. And like I think like, the top yeah. players are all similar in terms of a combined England and Ireland team would have a few from two. But Stockdale just Stockdale needs to puff out the chest on Saturday and play with a bit of confidence. You know, I am Ireland's 15. You know, he just, like, when he's not playing well, it's be- all of it's just due to a lack of confidence. You know, I think it's also... He shouldn't be dropping and... Yeah. You know, I think it's also one of yeah. those... Sorry. I think it was also one of those that, like, you've been so used to that 15 jersey being worn by Rob Carney, who is the captain of no mistakes, and just is, like, that solid 7, mm. 8 out of 10 every week. And it might take a little bit of time for the public perception and the perception of the coaches to realize that maybe we've got a different 15 on our hands. Now you're not going to get that type of player anymore. Mm. Um, you're not going to have that player play that role anymore. And it might take a little bit of time for them to realize that that's not a possibility. And, and, you know, they're going to have this different, more, you know, electric fast kick, you know, long kicks and all that kind of stuff. Um, version of a 15 now. Don't know. Yeah. Mm. Not, you know, at the end of the day, as you said, Arby, he's not. He's a bit like a Finn Russell. He'll just play rugby. He'll he'll chip and chase. He'll just he'll throw an offload. He'll he'll try things and just got to accept it. And hopefully it goes well for him. Someone that is a very solid winger and does everything right. Hugh Keane, excited to see him. Yeah, I think right there's so. there's not much we can say on him other than best luck to him because there's an opportunity now with a lot of injuries. Of course, you've got. Uh, Keith Earls and Jordan Lamar out, so kind of maybe two starting out of the back three out, but with James <laughs> and with, James Lowe to come in, let's with not James Lowe to come that. in. I think it's a smart play to maybe play Keenan against Italy and then get him you, some experience. If he plays well, you play him against France and then yeah, if he gets a wee run, he gets a run, but if he's underperforming, you have a James Lowe on the bench to come on and slowly slot his way in and then. That as well plays a factor into why Stockdale maybe will give away that left wing jersey and start wearing the 15 a lot more. But let's be honest though, Keenan could get one try, Conway could get six, Conway will still get dropped. So Conway, Conway's another one, just solid. It is hard. It's hard to impress. Conway does nothing wrong, scores tries every week, but he's just missing something. And I don't know what because he's good in the air, he scores tries. Maybe it's training, maybe it's something we don't see. We don't see a lot. Um, and finally, shout out Will Connors, the chopper, Harv. I know you love the chopper. And everyone watch out. Blue scrum hat, Saturday, 3 p.m. He chops. <laughs> He's going to be on the I guess. Two ball carries and a chopper. Did, did you boys also see the New Zealand-Australia game? New Zealand responded convincingly, as expected. Yeah. However, a shout out to Australia. They are starting to build something. They've got a really good young back row. They've targeted under 20s players. Um, the six, the eights, and Hooper at seven. They look like they're going places. James O'Connor, Nick White, yeah. good halfback partnership. It's good to see James O'Connor back, you know. Tamu is very solid. Like they're starting to get somewhere and they've 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 kind of saved Australian rugby for now. And 
Bleslow Cups now obviously going to going to be going back over to Australia for two games, and I hope they get one one win out of the two to make it competitive. But you don't win in Eden Park, and simple as that. Caleb Clark. Caleb Clark. What Caleb. the heck? Like, I'm, like just scary. You know, what I, mean? like, I said um. I got a couple of, got got a couple of laughs from this reference when I originally made it, but he remind and I don't know if this is any kind of cultural appropriation. Apologies if it is, but does he not remind you of the demigod of Moana? If you've watched Moana, don't know if you have, but the big monster what? with the huge claw, with the huge claw hammer thing, whatever it is. He just when he runs around, he's like his arms are just like six foot wide apart from each other. He just looks like this brick built insert word here, like. He just is an absolute monster. It's scary. He's, he's a demigod. Too fair. Like the way he just, like the way he got through that defense for his break. Uh, the one of the YouTube videos you sent Intel. Like I was absolutely. He had no right to make the original break. He had no right to continue after getting to oh, bounce. Just <laughs> bounce Hooper. Like just got up. Just, carrying on going. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> Like their their back three options is now it's crazy. Mackenzie, the two Barretts, Will Jordan, um, and then obviously Caleb Clark along and Julian Safair, like he's back uh, in. And then along with um Sevi Reese and George Bridge, who were the starting wingers in the World Cup. So they've got seven or eight world class players in the back three. Mackenzie can't even get Mad. into that back three at the minute and he... we, we watched him come off. We watched Caleb Clark come off. Mackenzie come on just thinking, wow, wow, imagine that. Imagine that's your twenty three coming know. on. Jeez. Like it's just like New Zealand just are the best. Like there's no way get... to put it. It was tight for a long time. A massive moment was Richie Moanga holding up that try. Yes, that was huge. Like you had no right to do that. That just sums up New Zealand. They're just good at like the things that shouldn't happen. <laughs> I was literally New Zealand in a nutshell. Like there's no, he had no right to keep that ball up, but he did. But I'm, I'm looking forward just to continuing to kind of watch this. I know it's hard to watch it live and stuff, but I'll always watch the highlights or watch the game back. I'm looking forward to see if Australia can do anything in Australia. And I really do think they can, but you don't want to eat in park. And it's 1994. Well, it's, I think last yeah. time they lost Eden park. That is, is insane. Crazy. But it is obviously, you know, no crowd in Australia play a factor. I think there's no crowd. I don't think there's, uh, there won't be a capacity crowd anyway. So like that. It's not gonna be forty-seven thousand people. What are that way? Yeah. I guess as well. We're obviously not gonna touch on that now. But there's more rugby on the weekend. There's there's Wales, France, and Scotland, Georgia. The Autumn Nations Cups kicking off. Um, do you think, in general, kind of this Autumn Nations Cup is gonna get the publicity and the hype that it that it deserves or do you think it's just going to be the end of the six nope. nations and then just internationals for the sake of autumn internationals kind of the, the liar i don't even know what the trophy looks like if it's a cool trophy i'll might start <laughs> to get hyped for it i'm not hyped <laughs> at all um bring a relegation into the six nations then we'll chat but anyway that's i feel like that's for another time nah there's no i'm not hyped i couldn't care less didn't even realize it was happening until a couple of days ago yeah, I am. I'm excited for England Ireland at Twickenham just because England Ireland. But in terms of if the permutations of that in the Alt Nations Cup, it's not. I know it's a new tournament though. You have it's to like give, it's yeah. like the Nations Cup in football. It's yeah. just you have to give them time though. You have to give it time and you have to give it yeah, publicity. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You never know. There might be a huge moment. It might bring the. It might elevate the tournament, and then next year we might be looking forward to it. You never know. 
and then you might bring in South Africa next year and you yeah, start to and then... you start to make it a bit more exciting. But thanks again, boys, for coming on and talking about the Ruggers. Um it's been a great series, you know. We've start we started the series back when rugby just came back, when those interpros happened at the Aviva and the premiership came back and we've come a long way now. And just weird. a shout out to World Rugby and and uh, the Premiership and Pro 14 all just mm. for completing the 2019 to 2019-20 season to get that all wrapped up, get the European season wrapped up. Fair play under the circumstances and just great for us that our main Harvey, especially just in lockdown Liverpool, to have that the weekend. Just a shout out to rugby. You are the best sport about. I'd also like to mention as well, just before the podcast finishes, um, for anyone that is still listening and listened to the last podcast, uh, apologies that I sounded like I was in a cupboard. Um, I was having some technical difficulties with the mic. Um, should be back to normal this week. Hopefully I sounded all right. Obviously leave us feedback on the Twitter account and uh, thank you very much for uh, yeah my part anyway. <laughs> Sorry, we should address that at the start of the podcast. Sorry, apologies. Not that you're any, That's all right, lad. any less important than any of us. We're all equal on the pod. But thanks again, boys. Remember to like and subscribe. And we'll catch you next week when we review the Premiership Final. Cheers, boys. Yeah. Thank you.